Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Start my timer right there. All right. I'm super excited to share with you um, a word that has been just really in my heart. I'm super excited to share this. If you are new to Encounter Church and don't know this, our theme of this year has been what word? Christology. Somebody say, what, what is Christology? Oh, I like that. Let's say, what is our theme statement of this year? Finding Jesus from cover to cover. And that comes from Revelations 1.8, which says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Yes, Revelations 1.8, thank you. Now, anybody been blessed these past four weeks with the series that we've been in on trials or testing trials and temptation? Has anybody else been blessed by this? Well, the past few weeks we've been in this series that Pastor Hunter has shared with us, and I'm telling you, I enjoyed it the most because these are things that I already knew about, right? I knew I was going through testing in my life. I knew there was trials in my life. I knew there was uh, temptations. But to get the biblical understanding of what that is and to find Jesus in the testing, the trial, and the temptations has been the biggest revelation for me. We learned in these past few weeks that what tests, trials, and temptations reveal is what's already in you. What's already there? What's your hidden life like? Because as Christians, sometimes we're great at talking the talk, right? But we're not great at walking the walk sometimes. Like a lot of people know the word, but during testing, during trials, during temptations, we get a real understanding of do we really walk the walk? Do we really do the things that the word of God tells us? And so we learned that tests, does anybody remember what does tests show? It shows what you know. What do trials do? They show what you can endure, test, uh, trials show what you can endure, and temptations show you what you crave. And we learned about that this week. And one of my favorite uh, quotes that Pastor Hunter said over this, these past four weeks, I love rhyme, so this was my favorite one. And I think it sums everything up uh, these past four weeks, is that the devil's goal during the three T's, I'll say three T's a lot, I'm saying trials, testing, temptation, The devil's goal is for us to sin, but what is God's goal? It's for us to win. So I want us to say that the devil's goal is for us to, but the devil's goal is for us to, I mean, oh, but God's goal is for us to, yes. And so one of the leading strategies for the devil to ensnare us in sin during testing trials and temptation is through pride. And our last point Pastor's last point last week was on pride, and today I'm just going to spend some more time talking and elaborating on the issues with pride. So before we start, let's, let's have a moment of prayer. Dear Lord, we just thank you, God, for this time together, and we pray, Father, that anything in us, God, any religious mindset, Father, we lay it down, Father. This morning, I feel like it was prophetic that we were really just honoring you and putting you first. And there's something amazing about when people recognize who you are, 
We're able to have a, a complete focus on you. So, Father, I pray for focused hearts, focused minds this morning. And I pray, Father, that the hearts are softened right now and are ready to receive a seed, Father, that, that, that grows, Father, out of us and into the community. We thank you, God, for this word, and we pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. So pride is a buzzword in the church, right? I mean, every pastor prays, uh, preaches at some point about pride. At some point, pride is going to come out. It's going to be a point. It's an it's a easy thing to talk about. But that, that makes sense, right? I mean, again, pride is one of the top ways that the, the enemy he uses this to ensnare us and to cause us to sin. So do we agree with this, that testing trials and temptations, and maybe we figured this out during the, the, the past four weeks, do we agree with this, that it's just a part of being a believer? It's just a part of our walks with God? I mean, you're going through a test right now. You're going through a trial right now. You're dealing with temptations right now. Maybe your eyes are, are already kind of, you're like, man, I got a whole another hour. Oh, man, I'm holding on. All right, so there, we all go through testing trials. It's just a part of our walks with God. It says in James 1, 2 through 3, consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials, right? It's whenever it happens. It's going to happen. So whenever it happens, consider it a, a joy. Be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace, right? It helps us to grow in our spiritual maturity. Hebrews twelve eleven says this, all discipline, all discipline, all tests, all trials, all temptations, for the moment, seems not to be joyful, all right? Uh, me and my wife are going through uh, purchasing a home, and anybody that has been through that process knows that it is a trial, all right? You get to experience a lot of things about your heart that are not right. There was a lot of immaturities that I learned about. One of those lessons that I learned is that I used to be very pessimistic about a lot of things. I, I realized that I, I was trying to protect my heart by, by keeping myself safe from failure or somebody letting me down. And I didn't realize, I thought I was doing a good thing because I was like, then when good things come in my life, I'm going to be super excited about it. But what I realized is that I had no hope. And if I don't have hope, how can I have faith, right? I can't have faith without hope. And so what I realized in this time and this trial was like, I got some stuff I got to deal with, and God has been dealing with me through it. So just to finish that scripture, it said, a lot of times it's sorrowful, <laughs> okay? Yet to those who have been trained by it, and I've allowed God to train me in this time, afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So tests, trials, and temptations are simply a part of what produces in us the fruit of righteousness, right? Those immaturities in my heart, there's no way I could be in right standing with God with those type of immaturities, how can I have faith to believe that God would do exceedingly, right? How can I have that faith if, I, if I'm continuously doubting him and all those things? And so, again, test trials and temptations are simply a part of what produces the fruit of righteousness or for us to win, right? Remember, God's goal is for us to win. But it's through pride. It's through pride that the devil attempts to cause us to sin. Examples in the Bible of pride and how it calls people to sin. It was pride that caused Adam to sin against God and to cause separation between God and man. Right? 
It was pride that caused Cain to kill Abel, right? He was jealous. He, he, he was prideful. It was pride that caused Moses to strike the rock instead of speaking to it. It was pride that caused Saul to turn on David. It was pride that caused uh, Judas to turn on Jesus, right? But why? This is the question that has been on my heart. But why, why is it that this is a buzzword? Because I, I, I'm a firm believer in a lot of very important Christian structural terms that we have in our faith, we've watered down over the years. And we've watered it down to a point that we don't even know the true meaning of it. And we're losing the impact of these wonderful stories in the Bible, and we're just reading it casually, but, and we're losing the real fruit of it all. And so my goal, my focus, anytime that the word is, God has given me a revelation of something, I want to know why. Why is this? Why is it that the devil continuously uses pride to cause man to fall? And so to start this, we need to understand what is, what is pride? What is pride at its simplest, at its, at its core? And in its simplest form, pride is the quality or state of being proud of something. That's all. So as a teacher, my, I'm a middle school teacher, and when my students do well, I'm proud of them. I'm excited for them. I want to celebrate them. I want to do something for them. As a husband, uh, I'm proud of my wife. She's been doing all these amazing accomplishments at work, and so I'm proud of her. I want to celebrate her. My children, I'm, I'm proud of them. We've been moving them from they had a nanny earlier in the summer, and then we moved them into daycare. Then we found out we're going to move. We're about to move daycares again, but they're still smiling. They're still excited about their new school. They call it new school. Then when we're going to the new school, the new school, but I'm happy for them. I'm excited. I, I, I want to celebrate them. What are you proud of in Counter Church? Matter of fact, let's take a moment. Turn to your neighbor and say, what are you proud of right now? Now you, ha- you have to answer it, though. That's not one of those. I want you to actually answer. What are you proud of? Oh, good conversations. Yes. Now, while they talked about that, did you notice something? Did you notice the person next to you was like this for a second? But when they started talking about their product, they perked up. They started to really be enthusiastic. They, they began to be super excited about the thing that, that makes them proud, right? I want you to keep that in mind. It says this in Galatians 6, 4, each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone. You being proud of something is not evil, being proud of something is not the evil part of what pride is. Okay, pride is just being proud of something, right? Pride in and of itself is not a sin. Uh Uh-oh, people staring at me. Staring at me funny. I got you. I'll finish the, the rest of that statement. Pride in and of itself is not actually the sin. However, I got you. When what we are proud of goes unchecked, The enemy has an opportunity to exploit it, leading to sin. So this is where we get into the place of sin, is when we, it goes unchecked. And we're going to talk about more of that. Let's, let's give an example. Lucifer, he became proud of himself. And he said this, Isaiah 14, 13 said, I will raise my throne above the stars of God. He was proud of himself. Same with the builders of the Tower of Babel. 
They had one purpose, and that was to build a name above all names. They were proud of who they were. What about when David killed Uriah? David's pride made his image, what he looked like to the people, more important than the life of an innocent man, right? He was more proud of his image than he was an innocent man. It it was pride that stopped him from even admitting his mistakes and asking for forgiveness. So what does unchecked pride amount to? Downfall. Uzziah, King Uzziah, who started off as a, as, as a believer and a man of God, and he started to blankly disobey the things that God was telling him, and it amounted to his downfall. What does it amount to? It amounts to hardened hearts like King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar had a, wiz, a guy full of wisdom like Daniel interpreting his dreams, telling him all these things about, hey, be careful, hey, watch out, it's you, it's you, it's you. But King Nebuchadnezzar had a hardened heart. He couldn't hear what he was saying because he was proud of his own name. He was proud of his image. What else does unchecked pride amount to? It amounts to destruction, like Pharaoh of Egypt, who actually witnessed his, his own demise, right? Right in his face, multiple warnings. He, he got to see his entire military sink at the bottom. What else does it amount to? It amounts to seeking self, not God. It amounts to disgrace. It amounts to quarrels. The disciples, they began to argue with each other about who was greater because they, they, they wanted to know that was more important than the, to them than knowing what Jesus was here for and what he was doing. In these examples of unchecked pride, we see man fall time and time again. And this is why. When our pride is disconnected from God, it leads to self-exaltation. Every one of these men that we read about in the Bible, these stories, it, what their pride that was unchecked amounted to was them being disconnected from God, and it amounted to them exalting themselves above the name of God. What else? And, but listen, pride rooted in God, it leads to humility. It's the complete opposite. So pride disconnected, self-exaltation, pride rooted in God, equals humility. What is humility? Proverbs 22, 4 says it. Humility is what in counter church? Can we bring that scripture up? Proverbs 24, 4. Maybe I didn't put that one. Humility is the fear of God. (laughs) Its wages are riches and honor and life. That's what humility is. It's a fear of God. It's the thing that actually made David so bold when he faced Goliath. I've always been so intrigued by this story, and I know they're the typical ways that the story is talked about is there's giants in your life, and you just need to trust in God. Boom, knock the giants down and defeat the enemy. And I'm, But I'm, like, again, every time there's a story that starts to get watered down like that, I, I am more curious about what the actual intention of it is. And I begin, and I challenge you to do this, begin to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you that my heart. Say, God, reveal me your heart of why this is important. Why did you put it in the word for me to study for the rest of my life? What is in it that I need to get out of it? And so as I thought about this story, I think about this short kid, this young kid who's been watching sheep And he is about to step into a place loaded with men, strong, burly men that have probably been 
getting ready for war all their lives, right? They probably had their dad's dad, dad, dad was probably a war hero. And these guys are about to do uh, this, this big battle. And David, this little dude, comes out, hey, talking to his, his brothers and blah, blah, blah. But he hears this, this huge giant speaking against his God. And so I believe that him walking out there was kind of awkward for him around these big burly men. But he heard something. He heard somebody speaking about his God, the God that he writes so eloquently about throughout the Bible, and it did something in him because his pride was not in himself. Because think about it, if his pride was in himself, he probably would have been like, this is not a good look for me, (laughs) right? This is going to make me look kind of weird to them. They're going to talk about me. They're going to say stuff about me, right? But his fear was in God, and he said, I got to do, are you crazy? You're going to let this man talk about the God that set you free from Egypt? Are you serious? And it made him bold. It made him enthusiastic. It made him zealous to defeat the enemy. And I know you're cheering right now, but I'm about to say a few things right now. All right, church. And I say this with all love because we need hard love sometimes. I need hard love all the time. The Lord, we have this thing. He has to teach me things hard sometimes. But what I realize is that we have a lot of Christians that are very quick to stand up, to stand up to give opinions. Very, very quick. I mean, it, I mean, it's like instant. You don't even think about it. You just say it. We're very, very quick to give opinions. We're bold in our opinions, right? But not enough of us are standing up during praise and worship. We're bold to give our opinions, but when it comes to God resting in a place, in a building, a moment where people are believers of God, we can't raise our hands. Where's our boldness at, Encounter Church? What are you proud of? Are you proud of your image? Are you proud of your image or are you proud of the one who set you free, the one that delivered you from evil? What are you proud in, Encounter Church? We're so quick to judge each other, right? We're so quick to judge each other, judge the intentions, judge the motives of what people do, but we're so slow to come to the altar at the end of service. Where is our boldness in Counter Church? Because if you watch these documentaries, if you watch these evangelists that are going to different countries, when that altar call starts, in one second, Those people come running to the altar, knocking each other out of the way because they have an understanding of what is happening in the moment. But we have gotten a little spoiled, right? We we have gotten a little bit, the the presence of God is not something that awakes our our hearts anymore. It's something that kind of just slides through. We need to get bold for the right things. We need to be proud about the right things in Counter Church. The brothers called him prideful. Isn't this funny? In that story of David and Goliath, the brothers called him prideful. They said, you're prideful because you want to go see the war. You want to see what's happening out here. You're prideful. And they were right. He was prideful. But he, he was proud in God. He was not proud in himself. He was proud of God. He had a fear of God. And Christians, we need to start rising up. We need to start getting bolder because if we can't be bold in here, we're not going to be bold out there. We're going to be too worried about our image, right? Our status, 
Our money. Oh, I'm going ahead of myself. I'm sorry. Hold on. Let me go. I'm going to go to my next story. <laughs> Samson in his final act of strength, right? Samson had been captured. He already done did all the sins. He only had a few things to follow. That man done sent in all of them. But still, but still, he, he had one more opportunity because God is that way, right? We can keep messing up, messing up, messing up. He still gives you another opportunity to see your heart. And in this moment, in the final trial, he had a chance to either try to prove his own strength, be proud in his strength like he did before, right? He was proud in his strength, his long, luscious hair, which I don't know about. All right, so he was proud of himself in the past. All right, y'all laughing too long. <laughs> or he, were, he had the opportunity to, to choose to be proud in the power of God. And what did he choose? He actually repented. It didn't say he repented, but I believe this was a time of repentance when he prayed this. He said, Sovereign Lord. He said this while he was in chains. This reminds me of when I came to Jesus. In my chains, I said, I'm sorry, Lord. Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just one more time. And let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my own two eyes to see. And in that moment, God strengthened him again. He broke those pillars down, and the Philistines went down. And that actually led to Israel overtaking the Philistines. What about Jacob wrestling with God? One of my favorite stories. This story symbolizes perseverance and boldness again, what we've been talking about. Jacob showed his pride in God. He knew that he was nothing Without the blessing of God. Is there anybody that know you're nothing without the blessing of God? <laughs> without the blessing of God, you're nothing. But we, Jacob, he did something about it, right? He, he couldn't let go of God until he was blessed. He was proud in the fact that I know God has the very thing that I need. I know it is him. I'm desperate for him. And so I'm going to do whatever it takes to get this blessing. And this is one thing that I love about this story. Jacob was not afraid to get dirty, what happened to the Christians that weren't afraid to get dirty? You know, that wasn't afraid of, of image and, 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 and looking a certain way. What happened to the church? We become so passive. Too many passive Christians is the, these days, right? We're passive about the needs of the church, financial needs. We're passive about the needs of the serving needs of the church. You know, churches don't run themselves, but we're passive about these things. But we're bold about other things. We're bold about our favorite teams. We're bold about people in our, whoever your best friend is. We're bold about all these other things. But what happened to, you know, you, 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 you plant yourself and you, and you grow there and you serve and you give. And you, what happened to the bold Christians? We need to get bold again, Christians, because that's how we'll see growth. We can't complain about growth if we're not being a part of what is happening at the church. We can't. It's, it's not fair and it's not okay. I'm not speaking this out of, I, I'm speaking to myself when I say this. I'm saying it with love. But we have to get out of this pass, passive mindset in the church. And Jacob, in his significant pain, he, he said, I will not let go. I will not let go. I will not stop. I will not give up until I see that blessing. So what is at the center of what we take pride in? 
That's my question to you. What is it at the center? Is it Christ or is it you? That, that ultimately is the difference between being proud of something and having unchecked pride. What is at the center? Consistently, listen to this, consistently examine our pride is essential as the things we take pride in inevitably become the subject of what we boast about. I'll say it again. I got you. Consistently examining our pride is essential as the things we take pride in inevitably become the subject of what we boast about. What shall be your boast in counter church? What shall be the thing that you boast about in your life? It said that a lion, a lion, wherever it's, it is at, if it's in the African safari, if it's at the top of a cliff, wherever it's at, its roar can be heard five miles away. Five miles away. And we are similar to this lion because what we say, what we boast about, you know, a lion, he's boasting its dominance, its, its confidence. And guess what? Everybody under that food chain, under, oh, <laughs> got to back up out of that area, right? They know what's happening. This is his territory, right? But when, whatever platform you're in, whether you're a dad, whether you are a teacher, whether you, whatever you do, what you boast about, what you're boasting about, something. We all get excited. We saw it today when you started talking about what you got excited about. We boast about something. So what are you boasting about in your platform? Are you boasting your status? Are you taking pride in your status? Are you, do you take pride in how much wisdom you have and you're boasting about your wisdom? Do you take pride in how much money you make and you boast about that to, and try to get your way, manipulate? Do you boast about your looks? Do you try to get away with everything with your looks? Do you boast about how popular you are? How many people know you? What shall be your boast in counter church? Think about it for a moment. What is it in your life that you boast about more than anything else? And have that reality check with yourself. Well, the Bible, because I turn to everything for my questions of life to the Bible. And the Bible makes it crystal clear what is the highest, the most important, the only true thing worth boasting about. And it says it in 1 Corinthians 131. Now, church, we, we, I'm going to need your help now. This is your moment to, to, to get a little bit dirty, okay? This is your moment to do something out of your comfort. I want you to push yourself in this moment because I need you to think you need to tap in to what God has specifically done for you. This is one of those moments where you tap in and, and get understanding that it, do, it doesn't matter. This doesn't matter. There's only one thing, and in my life, I've had to come to grips with that. That the only thing that matters for me is God. What he says, what he is put, taking me. And so in this moment, I need y'all to tap in. Because I'm going to read this. And when I get to the part that you know I'm about to say, I need you to say it the way you're supposed to say it based on what it says on screen. All right? Therefore, what is, what is the most important thing about boasting? Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in who? Let the one who boasts, boasts in who? Oh, uh, we ain't there yet. 
I'm a I'm a middle school teacher. My I get my my kids are crazy. All right, they they can't help. They do crazy stuff. They they jump and now, hey, I need your help in counter church. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts in boasts in who? <laughs> let the one who boasts in boasts in who? All right, we almost there. We almost Jesus Christ. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 1 Corinthians 1.31 says this, Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. My soul, in Psalm 34.2 says this, my soul makes his boast in the Lord. The humble and downtrodden will hear it and rejoice. Psalm 44.8 says this, In God we have boasted all day long, and we will praise and give thanks to your name forever. And here's my favorite one. It says Galatians 6.14, As for me, encounter church, say, As for me. May I never boast about anything except what? The cross of the Lord, Jesus Christ. Because listen to this. Because of that cross, because of the cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. I need you to look at the devil because he's been tempting you. He's been putting you through hell. And you need to talk to him this morning. You need to look him in the eye and say, guess what, devil? Because of the cross, my interest in this world has been crucified and the world's interest has also died. Does anybody believe that this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Regularly checking our pride is crucial as what we're proud of will be the subject of our boasting. I want to ask the worship team to come on up. And I have this, this story that, man, this story has, every time I've read it, I've been like, man, God, you're always leading me to understand more of this story. And he really was like, this is the time. This is what I needed you to understand this for. And it's a story in the Bible where Moses and the Israelites left, uh, they've just left Egypt. And they're about to actually face their first battle against the Amalekites. And in this battle, I just want y'all to picture this. You have Israelites that have been slaves for years, hundreds of years. They ain't been training for war. Okay, they've been building and all the stuff that Egypt, the Pharaoh told them to do. But they haven't been training for war. They're about to face their first battle against Amalekites who've probably been battling since they became a, a territory, okay? And so you have to think about the fact that Moses is about to face something that he's never faced, has no idea what's about to happen, and nobody, none of the Israelites knows what's about to happen. They just, I oh mean, they don't even know what the, what, we're gonna hit them with the stick? I don't know, what we got, this is all we got, all right? But look, God was like, I know, I know, because you gotta rely completely 100% on me. Anybody been in a situation where God's like, I know you don't got the tools, but guess what? You gotta rely 100% on me, right? And so they're coming to this place, and he says, hey, I need you to go to this mountain, and I need you to raise your, 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 your staff in the air. And as you raise your staff in the air, you will overtake the Malachites, right? And so he raised that staff in the air, and as he did that, they began to overtake the Malachites. The physical act of holding up his arms, what this represents, what this reflects is his faith and trust in God. It's, it's his faith in God's power to give them victory, correct? He believes that they would deliver them. But guess what? He began to grow tired. Anybody else grow, has grown tired? 
you know, in testing trials and temptations, we begin to grow tired. Our arms begin to fall down. Our demeanor begins to calm down. Our, our countenance begins to change. But I love this so much because God had a, he, he had a plan because there was people behind him. There were people ready to help him because as his arms went down, the people behind him, Aaron and her, they, they pushed his arms up. You cannot do this walk by yourself. I am telling you, you will not be able to do it. You are not strong enough on your own. You need people in your life that are pushing you and holding your arms up when you're going through the testing and trials and temptations. Do not run from it. I love, my wife tells me this all the time when she started coming to Encounter Church, she felt the Holy Spirit always saying, do not push these people away. You have, you've run, it's over. You stay, do not let them push you away. In Encounter Church, we have discipleship groups. That is how we help each other. That's how we hold each other up. It's not just a social club in Encounter Church. It's gonna be challenging. It's gonna be different cultures. This is a multi-generational, multicultural church. I'm sure you've figured that out during worship. Okay, this is how we do things. Welcome to heaven. <laughs> Welcome to heaven. This is what it looks like. And so, we need people to hold our arms up. To support Moses, they helped him, and then they began to win. The Israelites began to overtake the Malachites. And guess what? They defeated the enemy that day. They defeated them with the help of his friends that were back there to help him. And my favorite part of the story is when he left that place, he made a monument. He made a monument, and he named it Yahweh Nisi. Yahweh Nisi means the Lord is my banner. And when I think of banners, I specifically think of sports teams. All right. Not too long ago, I was at a uh, Falcons game, and these banners are everywhere, just being flown, especially in the corner with the banners. All right. They just, I mean, going crazy. There's this one huge one that takes multiple people to even get it moving. But I noticed that when Falcons are doing great, those banners, I mean, they flying in the air, right? They're boasting about the Falcons, right? This is their boast. We, we're winning. Uh, banners actually represent victory. It's one of the main symbolic reasons of banners. And so they're waving those things, but as they start to not do so great, which happens sometimes, right? All right. Those ban banners begin to, you know, they start to go get popcorn, start to go do their thing, you know. Oh, they scored. The banner you lift in your life is simply a reflection of what your boast is. The banner you lift in your life is what your boast is. What shall be your boast in counter church? Because when our pride is not rooted in the fear of God, we boast our own name. We boast our status. We boast our money. We boast what we do, our careers. We boast those things. I need your help, Royal. But when God 
when God is our boast, When God is our boast, and I need you to, I want you to really get this because this really helped me. When God is our boast, we raise a banner of victory. Pride, money, things that are here today, gone tomorrow. But when we boast in God, when we're raising a banner of victory through the trials, through the testing, through the temptation. What are you boasting about Encounter Church? Psalm 25 says this, may we shout. May we shout for joy over your victory and may we lift our, our banners. May we lift up our banners in the name of the Lord. Listen to this, it says this in Psalm 27 through eight. Some boasted nations some nations boast in chariots. Look, I don't even want to wave the right way. Some boast on their chariots and horses. Some boast in things that don't really matter. But we encounter church. But we, we boast in the name of who? We boast in the name of who? Listen, those nations will fall down and collapse. But what will we do in Counter Church? I need you to all stand up right here. I need your help. Those nations will fall and collapse, but what will we do? We will rise up and we will, we will rise up and we will. Does anybody believe that this morning? Does anybody believe that? Is that anybody's heart this morning? Listen, I need you to put your hands up in the air right now. This is a declaration in Counter Church because this revelation, this revelation is something that has sparked something new in me. And I, I'm just gonna pray an impartation right now that you receive this. As we sing about the Holy Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit that gives you this understanding. It will only become clear. I know your arms might be hurting right now, but I just want you to fight right now just for a moment. This is for you. This is for your family. This is for your life, right? This morning, may my boast be in only your name this morning, Jesus. I only want to boast in your name, Yahweh Nisi. I want you to say Yahweh Nisi. Yahweh Nisi, Lord, you are my banner. You are my banner in my life. You are the only thing that is worth boasting about. Father, any time that I begin to boast about the wrong things, Father, I pray that this flag is a remembrance of you. It's a remembrance of what you've done on the cross for me in my life. There won't be another test that breaks me. There won't be another trial that I cannot endure. There won't be another temptation that my craving for the Lord will not defeat in the name of Jesus. Yahweh Nisi. Jesus. We're just gonna go right into this. If you, for the first time, are receiving this, and I want us to do this as a church because I feel like this is a moment of just recommitment for everybody. 
And I want us to pray a prayer together. And I want y'all to say this with me. Dear Jesus, I humbly seek your guidance and your salvation. You are my banner. And I willingly submit to your authority. I confess my sins. I repent. And I choose to follow you. I believe in you as my Savior. You've sacrificed for my sins. I accept your gift of eternal life. And I invite you once again into my heart as Lord and Savior. As my banner, I trust in your strength. May my life reflect your love and grace. Guide me in this faith journey and be with me always. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. God, even though I put myself above you, I thank you that you're my banner. I thank you that you hold my victory, Jesus. You are my victory, and I rely and I depend on you this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.